The landscape of the retail industry changed nearly overnight as COVID-19 spread across the world. Stores closed, online retail demand skyrocketed, and the changes continue as the crisis evolves. Today on the Workday Podcast, we're talking about the effect of COVID-19 on the retail industry. I'm your host, Jeremiah Barba, and I'm glad to be joined by Jill Standish. She is the Senior Managing Director of Accenture's Global Retail Consulting Practice. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jill. Thanks for having me. Perfect. So before we dive in, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself, about your background and your work in retail with Accenture? Great. Yeah. Well, I spent most of my career, if not all of my career, working really at the intersection of retail and technology. And so I grew up kind of as a techno nerd, if you will, looking at technology and retail. And at Accenture, I lead our practice globally for the firm. So. Before we jump in a little bit, I want to start by thinking through some of what you're hearing from retail leaders around the world. Now, just to kind of put a a pin on the date where we are right now, you know, we're recording on May 11th and things are changing so fast. I'm sure they will even change even more in the next few weeks in between when we record and when we actually publish this. So we are experiencing something that we never have before. So as you're talking to retail leaders throughout this time, what are some of the major issues that they're they're running into and uh, and how are they dealing with it? Yeah, well, I think the first thing that is important about this, you call this the, the very strange place that we're in, it's really a health crisis. And most retailers, you know, have been dealing with all sorts of things in they're great operators, but have they ever had to deal with a health crisis before? So one of the first things that is really important to them is the safety of their team, their employees, their staff, and the consumer. And so that really threw everyone into kind of a tailspin when it came to figuring out how are we going to make this environment safe? And, and that was that was primarily the first. And then as they're starting to progress, I think as depending upon what time people are listening to this, as we're coming out, now it's going to be around how much did all of that safety measure that we took cost? Because it's it's really the tale of two cities. You've got essential retailers, those that have been kind of staying open, and then you've got the non-essentials who really had to close their doors for a, a long period of time. And as we're kind of coming out, they're having to open very differently. Sure. As we're moving forward, and definitely in the first few weeks, we were heavily in that super intense period when things were, you know, were closing down and everything was changing so fast. And as retailers are starting to reopen in in different ways and different phases across the world, what are some of the main concerns and uh, the main things that uh, retailers are thinking through as they look forward to more of a recovery mode? Yeah, I mean, a lot of these CEOs that we're talking with, first of all, they're sharing like no one else, getting together and leaning on one another for guidance, because again, this is so different than anything they've ever had to deal with. And many of them are sharing with us that if you look at the the guidance that they're they're doing around reopening, the first and foremost is the government. Around the world, leaders of governments, whether it's governors here in the U.S. or leaders across these different countries in Europe 
they're dictating what can be opened. So that's the first thing is what can be opened and how do you need to open? So that's kind of first. The second one is really around what's what's the environment around the spread of, of the virus. So looking at and partnering with different types of firms that can give you that detail. So first is the government. Second is, again, where is the virus and where are those hotspots? Because everyone is looking at where's the hotspots. And then last but not least is what's the status of your team? Many are keeping daily contacts with regional managers, store managers, et cetera. Is your staff or your team ready to go back to work? It's not the same as it used to be where you pick a market and you decide that it's a, it's a valuable market and you go ahead and open up your store. <laughs> now, there's mm-hmm. a lot of different factors. For sure. So let's move into what we think about some of the outcomes and reactions for, for retail moving forward. A lot of these changes took place in the near term and they had to happen quickly. But what do you think are some of the changes that could stick into the long term? You know, that's such a great question because we're watching consumer sentiment. We actually are doing a pulse of the consumer every two weeks globally. And one of the things that has stuck is digital. Even my mom, who is turning 80 this year, she never, I mean, first of all, she's now using an iPhone, which is funny. Um, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, I FaceTime with my mom now weekly, which she used to write me letters and do email. And now all of a sudden it's FaceTime. The interesting thing is digital. We were all forced really to use digital in new ways. And, you know, ordering groceries, I mean, the average, it was like 15% penetration in terms of digital with grocery. Well, now, because of these stay-at-home orders, if you will, shelter-in-place orders, people are having to order digitally. And it's and for groceries especially, which was, again, not, not really that penetrated for that type of technology. So people who would never use it had to try it. And so how many people are actually going to go back? And that's kind of what everyone's kind of watching is now that people have experienced the convenience and experience, even for safety reasons, why it's probably a safer bet to order and have it delivered. Will that stick? And will people continue to purchase and have things delivered? So will people use delivery services more and more? And I think the answer is at least it'll be it'll be bigger than it was before COVID. That's for sure. I think another thing that people will also use more and more is delivery services. So it's not just having the the retailer deliver to you, but think of all of the delivery services, whether it's Instacart or others, where people just got familiar with that service and started to depend upon it. So I I think that to me is going to be something that will stick. And then also the convenience of doing curbside. One of the things that I've watched, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners on the line will also appreciate, is how localized everyone became. Your community all of a sudden became your haven. And so making sure that you gave your dollars to your local restaurant or your your local wine store was important to people. And, and look how scrappy and so entrepreneurial those little small businesses got with, with curbside pickup. And you're probably calling your local restaurant and ordering over the phone. And then when you got to their parking lot, you called them again. You know? But the fact that now all of a sudden you started to get really familiar with curbside pickup and ordering ahead and delivering to your home. And I think those things, I mean, we won't go back to 
where we were prior to COVID. We might go out to dinner. (laughs) I'm I'm looking forward to that. For sure. I sure hope so. Yes, exactly. But I, I do think this idea of, you know, supporting local will stick. I also think the idea of using digital technology will stick. I think for the larger retailers too, one of the things that we were seeing is a lot of companies that didn't have really strong e-commerce and omni-channel and even the ability to do buy online and pick up in store and that order ahead, whether you call that omni-channel or not, it doesn't matter. They all wish, most of them wish they had that locked in really a lot better before COVID hit. So I think the digital transformation that's going on with these larger companies, some of them are saying, listen, I, you know, we thought we had a couple of years to figure this out. We now have months. So getting that right and knowing where your inventory is, um, knowing, you know, what your delivery windows could be, knowing who your delivery partners are, working hard with your suppliers. I mean, all of that, which is seems really kind of rudimentary to the average consumer is really hard. And a lot of retailers really wish they had a more flexible and agile supply chain and a more flexible and agile digital footprint so that they could serve the consumer better during this time. That's great. We've mentioned agility in the supply chain. What about agility with people? Because with the changes in the stores, especially that made it necessary to, in some cases, redeploy and reassign people quickly. Uh, What about perhaps like some examples of a quick change in managing people? Yeah, great. If you think about the past few months, many companies were kind of forced to close their headquarters while others were actually hiring. Some were furloughing. I mean, it was really the tale of two cities, the non-essentials and the essentials. And many companies uh, on the essential side found that they needed more staff, Uh, whether it was the pharmacy chains or the grocery chains. Those folks were just seeing such a spike in demand that they needed more employees. And, you know, one of the things that we saw, which was an amazing, you know, you, you got all these corporate employees who are working from home. And yet you needed more people in the store. Well, one grocery store in the Midwest took 99% of their corporate team that were on salary and said, listen, can you help us out? Go work in stores and help us so we don't have to hire. And I know that there's systems like Workday that allow them to do that. And I just think that's a great example of how fast people needed to react and how some of these you know, new technologies help them do that. Thank you. That's a great example. As we head into more of recovery mode, what are some tips that you would share you know, for retailers that might be listening? I think there's really three things that will, will really start to become very important. I mean, we were in triage for the first, let's say, several months, um, just trying to serve consumers, feed the planet, if you will, um, and, and also you know, going into lockdown. I mean, it was just a, really kind of a crazy triage time. But as we start to come out, I think there's going to be three big things that every company will start to really start to f- try to figure out. One is, again, the, the digital experience that they're providing. How simple is that? How frictionless is that? How easy it is for consumers to shop with you digitally? The, the second one is, is really around your supply chain and figuring out how to have partners in your supply chain that are let's call it very agile and 
able to go ship to where the demand is because demand is going to shift really quick and it's going to be very localized as we come out of this. There'll still be hotspots. So how do you move product around so that it goes to where the needs are and the demand is? And I think the last one, which it may not be very popular, but I think it's going to be on everyone's mind, is the cost to serve. And what I mean by that is most of these companies did not plan on the added expense to make the shopping safe. Think of masks for employees or PPE, whatever that looks like. The need to change the store layout so that it's, you know, social distancing is still appropriate in stores. The need to actually clean and disinfect, uh, whether you're doing that yourself or doing that with a third party. All of those costs weren't built into the model. And so I, I do think there's going to be this aha moment where that cost starts to add up and everyone starts to think about, oh, oh my, I, my P&L looks very different now. And the other added part of that cost to serve is if I'm going to do a more percentage of my business through delivery, well, there's another added cost. And will the consumer actually, can you pass that cost on to the consumer? Maybe not. Uh, especially if we're going to come out of COVID and it will be an environment where consumers are still a little hesitant to spend. Who knows what's going to happen with the economy in, in several markets around the world. So if you're going into a value time when people are going to be watching their dollar and it's costing you more to deliver your product to them, boy, that's a recipe that is really tricky. And so I do think the cost to serve is going to start to hit everyone coming out of this. So hopefully we won't see a crisis of this magnitude again, but we're, we're going to continue to go through challenges. So what are some of things that retailers should be thinking about to be agile and resilient as they deal with the unexpected? You know, I, I think it comes down to a couple of things, which is retailers have traditionally been fantastic operators. And really, they now they have to be a little bit of fortune teller <laughs> rather than just be an operator. And that fortune telling is tricky. Again, your, your point on this is something that we've never seen before. Really, retailers have always looked at the past to dictate the future because, mm. you know, when they do forecasting of demand and, and replenishment and planning and where they put their inventory, et cetera, they've always looked at past patterns to do that. And I think now that they're going to have to look at future patterns, boy, that's different, right? So I, I do think there's some, some advice that I would give uh, around how do you start to look at trigger points for spotting demand? Uh, well, consumers are very digital, and so they're leaving behind a ton of information uh, when they're tweeting or when they're on online. And, and, and actually, there's, there's a lot of tools out there that can spot demand and start to see where demand is. And through data and through analytics, companies can actually start to see what the demand patterns or signals look like. And that's very localized. Because of what's going on with, with this pandemic, you know, there will be, again, hot spots where people are still sheltering in place, whereas other communities are starting to open up. So there's, you have to be able to spot and react quickly to, to where the demand is. And so I think, one, it's really taking advantage of tools that exist to help you. So don't try to do it alone. Um, 
leverage advanced tools and capability that can actually help you spot demand. And then I think that the next piece is how do you make decisions super quick and react fast, move things around quick? You, you don't have time in this in this world to actually think about it and do a lot of cost justification and analysis. I'm seeing now companies who made the decision to close their headquarters, put all of their staff remote, and even take their call center remote. Well, geez, we've been trying to get a lot of these companies to think some of that for years, and yet they were forced into it and they had to just react quickly. So I, I do think as they're looking forward, really take note of the fact that they made decisions and they made it happen. They just did it. And, and I think that's a really strong lesson for leaders going forward is sometimes you just have to do it. <laughs> just put your call center and make them remote, get them laptops and get them going. And the other thing is leverage some advanced tools to give you some signals and don't look at the past. Because, you know, the worst thing I think that companies could do is say, oh, you know, January through March, April, May, those were months that let's just take that out of our model because that was an anomaly. That's, I think, the worst thing they could do. The best thing they could do is say, what did we learn from that strange set of months? How did we spot demand? And how can we be a little bit more reactive going forward? Uh, because you never know um, whether it's a pandemic, a health crisis like this, or it's storms or another crisis with the economy or with governments or the weather. How can you use that to your advantage now and be very reactive? That's great. So one final question as we bring it all together. This has been fantastic. Imagine that uh, a retail leader is listening to this, just hypothetically, you know, perhaps working at a folding desk in a, in a walk-in closet, which I would understand right now. Uh, what's the one, I would call it post-it note size takeaway that you would like them to, to take away from our conversation today? Yeah, I think the one thing I would say is be really fast with your decision making and use as much information as you can to make those decisions, especially not just your own information and your own data, but make sure that you bring in some information from the outside, information about the disease, about demand, about what the government is suggesting, and leverage tools and capabilities, maybe that you've never had before, so you're not going at it alone. Thank you. That is great. Thank you so much for being with us today, Joe. Thank you for having me. And I'd say go shopping, but maybe it's go online and order something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Workday Podcast with Jill Standish from Accenture. And if you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe. I'm Jeremiah Barba, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.